Good morning. Um, this morning's reading is Ephesians 4, uh, verses 25. Therefore, having put away falsehood, let each one of you speak the truth with his neighbor, for we are members one of another. This is the word of the Lord. Please be seated. Good morning, Redemption Tucson. My name is Stephen. I'm one of the pastors here. Uh, I'm not preaching this morning. I just had a we just had a baby, so if I'm preaching, you don't know what would come out of my mouth. So you're welcome for that. I'm introducing who is uh, preaching this morning. And I just want to say thank you. Many of you have loved me and my family well in this time of transition, so thank you. Uh, this morning, we have uh, Chris DeHaan coming to preach from Vineyard Christian Community. Uh, Vineyard is a church that is, is truly a partner church of ours. If you've ever been to a tapestry event or tables, if you've ever uh, been to one of our, we did like a summer men's group last summer, and uh, we've done a bunch of other things over there. Um, they just, they've given us keys to the building and said, use it. And so their generosity, love, and I don't think I've ever seen a church that has such a uh, kingdom perspective versus a, a, a competition perspective with other churches. It's, it's truly humbling. And Chris plays a role of mentor to many, many pastors in the city, including, uh, including Dave. And so would you guys do me a favor? It's a blessing to have Chris here, but would you welcome up Chris as he goes to preach? Thanks. I remember this podium, it's made for Dave, okay. No. We, uh, I, I can just say personally, I have been enriched by this church and a number of you individually, so it's, I just, it's fun to be here. We're in Ephesians, uh, the book of Ephesians, so we're going to continue moving through that. We're going to be Ephesians 4.25 this morning, so you can turn there. Um, and as we look fresh and discover what. Um, the Holy Spirit, who is our only reliable teacher, can show us through his word this morning. Um, you've been working through Ephesians, and um, have, you're going to enter a section here that's filled with imperatives, um, things that we're called to do. And it's vital as we move through these things, before we even look at them, to remember a bit about everything that's gone before, um, because Paul has laid out a uh, specific way to think and to see ourselves and to see him before he starts saying the things that we're supposed to do. Um, I spent the majority of my 55 years of knowing the Lord. Um, we come to Christ by grace, right? And then we get busy and we just do. And um, much of it just comes out of the flesh. We're going to work. We're going to check off the list. We're going to, the harder we work, the more God is pleased with us. And that way of... Um, Walking with Christ, and many of us know it, is exhausting, it's unfulfilling, it's defeating, um, and ultimately it does not really expand God's kingdom. And Paul um, spends a lot of time, you've been through several chapters, making sure that we live out the things to do out of a right spot. And that's why he began the, uh, the book of uh, Ephesians with two emphases. The first one was that all that we do begins with who we are. All that we do begins with who we are, which was his focus of those first couple chapters. It's our new identity and our absolute dependence on Jesus that all the doing of the Christian life is supposed to come forth from. So there's lots of attention in the beginning to dying to ourselves, being made alive to Christ, created for good works, but the good works are done out of an overflow of our relationship with Jesus. We find strength and a new way of living, but it's based on who we are. 
in Christ, not who we used to be. Who we are is beloved, rescued, and redeemed children of God. All that comes before doing. It's important to remember that as we, Paul starts telling us some things to do, um, we've got to remember where it comes from. So all that we do begins with who we are. And then the second emphasis has been on unity, coming together. We, we do not move through this new life independent of each other, but always in unity with one another. Since we're all the same, exactly the same, needy, when we come around the table, we are all in the same place of need. And knowing that it's easy to come together, easier to come together in unity as we let the Holy Spirit begin to work with us. Pastor Dave stated earlier, a while back in one of his early messages, he said this, God is uniting us together in and through Christ who would otherwise be divided so that we collectively together can be the very dwelling place of God. The implication of that is that we cannot fully be the dwelling place of God outside of each other. There's a sense that although the Holy Spirit resides within me, the, the full dwelling place of God is within the body of Christ. And so we must be connected together. You've also spent some time, I think just a, a couple weeks ago, looking at our individualistic tendencies to see our gathering as a church as not something you just go there to get something that's designed and formed around you. Paul makes it clear that we're to come together, eager to play our part in the whole body, understanding that it must be fit together so that we can not only individually grow up in all aspects unto Christ, but that we as a whole church, and even as a universal church, can grow up into the body of Christ. And finally, in light of who we are in Christ, I think last week, um, in the light of our call to come together for the good of one another, and for my own good and for the expansion of God's kingdom, Last week, I think you just saw that we, we lay aside what? The old self? Um, it's dead anyway, so why carry it around, right? Lay aside the old self, and then we have to actively begin to put on the new self in all of its practices. And that brings us here to uh, the beginning of a new section. So let me pray once again, and then we're just going to look at this, uh, this one verse, Ephesians 4.25. Lord, if, um, if you don't speak to us this morning... If you don't do a work in our hearts, um, we just have uh, 30 minutes of empty words. So um, clear away the things in my heart and each of our hearts that would perhaps uh, resist your word this morning. Um, we want our hearts and our lives to be submitted, but sometimes it's hard. So um, the degree that we don't do it, do it for us, please. And then uh, through your Holy Spirit, bring... Um, bring alive your word this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. The section uh, that starts with verse 25 here um, begins, uh, there's a series of imperatives that are going to be lined up, and we're just having uh, the first one here today, uh, or moral exhortations, kind of. And as, the, as these imperatives come along, these moral exhortations, it's going to conclude somewhere down the road here, depending on your schedule, with a final one, which is the exhortation to love, which, which brings all the other ones um, together. And most of the exhortations are going to have three parts. And the first part is going to be something to stop doing, something to lay aside, to, to put aside. The second will be something to enter into or to start doing or to put on. So we, we take off the old clothes, right? The first thing, got to get rid of the old. And then the second part of the imperative will be something to put on, something to, to um, start doing. And then I love Paul because then 
Um, if you have younger kids, you, they always ask you why, right? Why? Paul tells us why. So he'll say, take off this, put on this, and then he's going to give us a reason why. And he does that here in Ephesians 4.25. Therefore, laying, having put away falsehood, let each of you speak the truth with his neighbor, for we are members of one another. So we have these three things, put away or lay aside falsehood. And then the positive side, he says, put on something, put on truthfulness. And then he gives us our reason why, and the reason is because we are, it's a statement of fact, members of one another. So we just want to walk through those three things this morning. The verse starts with therefore. Based on who you are, the need for unity, the call to put aside the old life and to put on a new one, on that background, with that foundation, he says, then the first thing he says, lay aside falsehood. The falsehood that... That, that we're clothed in. He says, take that off. As a matter of fact, he assumes that we've already done so. He says, having laid aside. He's assuming that we're just going to be doing that. Lay aside falsehood. There's three, three possibilities. They're probably all true of what falsehood it could be referring to. There's some evidence that it's actually a word that refers to what's called the lie, which in scriptures was the idea of idols. Idols are a lie. They're a false representation of, of how the world works and who we're to pay attention to. And so there's a sense here that Paul is saying, put aside the idols in your heart. So um, all week long, every single one of us has had things come into our hearts that rival God's place. And sometimes we've just let that happen, and they take up that spot. And so over and over again, we've got to lay those things aside. We've got to put off those idols, call them what they are, even some of the good things that take over God's place in our heart. He says, put those in their proper place. So that could be the first aspect of what he's referring to here. The second part is just what we would exactly think of it. It means don't lie. Just don't lie. Um, the parallel passage in Colossians 3, uh, Paul says, Do not lie to one another, since you lay to self the old self with all of its evil practices. Paul calls lying an evil practice. It's a remnant of the old life. We hear in Scripture that what the mouth speaks identifies what? The condition of our hearts. And James has a lot to say about watch out what you say because it's going to show something. And Paul here is saying one of those things not to do is lie. If we're transformed people, and if we need to be brought together in unity, lies are a huge barrier because if we lie to each other, it sets up walls between us and it prevents unity and it prevents our transformation. So how does lying show up? Well, we can exaggerate. You ever, with a group of people, and I know it sounds a little harmless, and everybody's telling stories, and you've got a story that's kind of like theirs, but it's probably not as good, so you just kind of embellish it a little bit, right? And later on, going, that wasn't quite accurate. So we can exaggerate, make up or embellish stories, um, shifting blame onto somebody else is to tell a lie. It's to say, this person did this, to avoid dealing with it ourselves. It's to speak falsely of someone else. It can even be when someone else is speaking falsely, we don't correct it as a form of falsehood. And it is sometimes we just straight up and lie, don't we? We just straight up and lie. Um, when I was uh, about nine years old, um, this is not the only time I've lied, it's just the most vivid one. Um, we had this, uh, this big, huge, uh, we had like an entrance, there's like what's called a mud room. This is in Chicago, it's where you dump off your boots. And to the side there was like what we called the utility room. And so the washer and dryer were in there. There was a big, huge sink that um, we'd wash the dog in and stuff. 
And then we had this, we had this huge furnace system. It, it took like the size of a bedroom. And there's all these furnaces and there's pipes. And when you're a kid, it's kind of cool because it's dark and it's creepy in there and you could climb around. And it had these, these pipes, these copper pipes, and we weren't supposed to mess around in there. So I was hanging on one of the pipes one day and swinging, doing this kind of stuff, and it broke. And I remember there was stuff shooting out and weird stuff, and so I, I was trying to push it. You know, you, first thing you do is you try to cover it, right? So I'm trying to push it back in place, and then I just went in my room and studied. Um, my dad came back. Um, I have two older brothers and younger sister, and he started asking. He knew something was going on. He could hear a sound coming out of the furnace room. Things weren't functioning right. Um, there was stuff on the, something kind of fluid on the floor. And um, he, he went to each of us asking if we had been messing around in the furnace. And we, my brothers, rightly so, said no. My sister said no. I said no. And I remember my dad kept running through. My mom obviously didn't do it. Um, I remember distinctly he lined us up. And he went through us and said, who broke the furnace? And he got to me, and I said, I didn't touch it. Um, and then about five minutes later, I just started crying. I just started, just started crying, cause, and then I got punished. And I remember the punishment. Um, we just straight up tell lies. Adults are more sophisticated about our lying. Um, we can present ourselves falsely in all sorts of ways. Um, we just don't want people to see certain things about ourselves, and we just don't tell the truth. And Paul says, don't lie. <clears throat> the third thing it can mean here, and this is probably where it shows up most in my own life, to lay aside falsehood, falsehood can mean to hide or to cover up. To hide or to cover up. The bottom line, it's, it's when I keep people, particularly the body of Christ, other people I'm close to, and I keep them from knowing me. I just don't let them know me. I have a um, compulsion to just go, go, go all the time. Um, underneath all that, it's if I keep moving fast enough, guess what? Nobody will ever, ever know me. That's the truth. We move along fast enough, nobody really knows me, and that's a form of falsehood. Paul is saying as new people, we have to know each other, and we have to be known, or there's no growth. Hiding, keeping the walls up, a lack of transparency, a lack of vulnerability. He's saying, cast that aside. Lay that aside now. We can display to everyone else around us this false self. We can do it on our social media. Uh, we do it in our small groups. What do you call them here? C groups? So we'll say just enough to sound like we're being transparent, but not too much. Just enough so everybody feels like we're being open, but we're not really being open. We keep people from knowing what's really going on inside. When I first came to the vineyard um, 18 years ago, I had a men's group, and there's about six of us, and we were doing a, a men's study of some sort, and uh, had gone on with a couple months. I was new, didn't really know these, these guys very well. Um, and we were studying this book with lots of sharing, and I was pretty self-protective, you know, being careful not to let on too much. And after a number of months, I remember very distinct, his name was Mike. Um, we're sitting in the group up in our church library around the table, and I remember him saying, Chris, you do a great job of leading the study. I'm like, yeah, thank you, I do, you know. Um, but he says, you never, ever share yourself. He says, if you're just here to lead us, we can do that ourselves. But if you're going to be part of this group, we've got to know you. You've got to start opening up. 
And he said, it's safe to do that here. And I remember just, ouch. And actually, nothing much changed, <laughs> truthfully. Um, it took a, quite a number of years after that before a, a huge shift occurred in my life and is still kind of in process of, ha- of happening, where I grew tired of hiding, remaining unknown, and at the very core, there's a sense of living in falsehood, keeping people at a safe distance. There is nothing more scary, at least for me, maybe everybody else is different than that, more scary but also more life-giving than to be known, deeply known, and to be known in the body of Christ. This is supposed to be a place where we can be seen, completely seen, and yet fully embraced and fully loved. And the question comes, um, for you as a community, do you, not that you're supposed to know everybody, but are there some here that know you, that you've opened up, that they, they know all the stuff, um, and where you're safe to do that, and where you're known, and where you know others? Um, and Paul says, lay aside that old wife that protects, that covers, that keeps a little bit of a space here. And he says, be known. Let yourself be known. Now Paul turns and he gives a positive exhortation. If we lay aside falsehood, which by the way is ongoing, we're doing it all the time, right? Then he says, the positive one, he says, speak truth, each one of you with his neighbor. So instead of telling lies and presenting a false self and covering and hiding, he says, bring truth forward. Bring it forward. And there's two ways we do that. We speak what is true and we speak it to each other. So we, we speak the things that are marked by truth. And he's talking about the body of Christ here. We're supposed to be speaking it to one another. We just heard in verse 421, just the other week you were here, says that the truth is in who? It's in Jesus. And those who are his then should be characterized by what is true. Chapter 4, verse 24 says, We're supposed to be put on the new self, which is created in righteousness and holiness and in the truth. The verse actually here in a four, that our passage this morning comes right out of Zechariah 8, verse 16. And the prophet um, Zechariah knows that one of the reasons they were cast out into exile was because the nation of Israel, for one, did not protect the truth that was they were entrusted with to pass it along, but also says they were called a people of lies, a people of lies. And so when he declares that there's someday coming, he declares in chapter 8, a new community that God's going to create, which is by us, by the way. He says this, there are, these are the things you should do. He says, speak the truth to one another. Interesting. He was looking ahead to after the exile. He says, you're going to be a new community. What should, what should that look like? And the thing he brings up, he says, speak the truth to one another. That's how you're supposed to be known. As a matter of fact, in verse 3 of Zechariah 8, he says, there's coming a day when the, the new Jerusalem is going to be called the city of truth. Because it's marked by people that are true. The world can look at the church and they, they can see if we're marked by truth or not. And oftentimes they look and they just see falsehood. We are that new community. We are supposed to speak truth. We're supposed to speak it to each other. So we already saw back in Ephesians 4.15, he said, speak the truth what in love. So when we, when we speak truth, sometimes the hard truth to each other, we do it with grace and with love and with embrace. And here, though, it's about our community being one that's absent of lies. 
a community that's open, where we know each other, where we're not hiding. And that instead, openness and honesty become the foundation points, because if there's openness and honesty and things are not hidden, then, then we can actually come together as a community. When that's absent, when truth does not reign and it's not embraced, we, we, we all kind of vie for our, our spot. We keep some space here. I want to just emphasize one way of speaking the truth to one another. I mean, it can just be quoting Bible verses to each other, which is not a bad thing, but it, it can be more than that as well. Um, we're going to leave here whatever time we're done, and we spend, all of us spend by far the majority of our life outside of this place, right? Um, our, our, all different places all around the city, all different kinds of contexts. Outside of the place and apart from community, and we walk through this world, and the world has a lot to say about how it thinks the world works. It has a whole different narrative, a different story about who we are and what we're for, about who God is and what he is and what that's all about, a whole different storyline. It tells us falsehoods about who we are and what we're to be about. James K. Smith describes it as going out into the world and we get reshaped. He calls it being restoried to a different narrative, and a narrative that's not marked by truth. And we believe that stuff, don't we? The world tells us other things about who we are that are different than Christ says and what we're about and what the purpose is and how the world works, and it, it just kind of washes over us all week long. And we begin, as a matter of fact, as I said, it's almost impossible not to. We begin to be shaped by the lies about the nature of the world, our purpose, and we learn a false story about the world. And it'll happen the minute we walk out here. It just does, all the time. So hopefully through the week, as you see each other sometimes, and particularly as we get together, we have to come uh, as, put it a certain way, to be restoried again, to be reshaped again to the true story. Um, be reminded of it because we forget to be reshaped again to the true story of the world, the truth about who we are and what we're called to be and to do. We need, um, as we say, the compass needle of our hearts realigned again, that true north. And we can do that by reminding one another of what is true. Um, we can do it, uh, we need to hear the truth over and over again. We do it when we're with the Lord alone, right? Remembering what's true. Hopefully we can do it in our gathered time of worship as we let the word and the music and the truth wash over us over and over again. But that's not enough. Paul says we're to speak truth to one another. We've got to remind each other what's true. We have a responsibility to each other to remind each other what is true. To graciously remind each other. So when you're sitting with somebody or talking out in the hallway and they're just, a friend is overwhelmed by all the trouble in the world and to get discouraged or thinking, God is not anywhere <laughs> these days. Remind them of what the truth is, that God is still in control. When, when you're with somebody and they're just feeling like they have no value at all, because whether they're placed at home or whether they're at work, wherever it is, just keeps telling them that they don't count, they just don't count at all. And those old lies come back over and over again. Remind them of the truth 
that they're beloved and that they're embraced and that there's a God who's stepped in for them. That they're a child of the king. You get the idea. We have to remind it over and over and over again. And none of us by ourselves can remember those things. We just can't. And so Paul says, speak the truth to each other. Tell each other the truth. Remind each other of who we are, what we're called to be, and what God has done in our lives. And finally, as has already shown up, Paul tells us, why does it matter that we lay aside falsehood, that we quit hiding? Why is it that we need to speak truth to each other? He says, because we are members, he says, of one another. This is not the only place where he's told us that. Romans 12, 4 and 5, it says, For as in one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function, so we, though many, are one body in Christ, individually members of one another. 1 Corinthians 12, 27, You are the body of Christ. Individually, we become members of each other. Ephesians 5, verse 30, he's going to say, because, he's going to give another reminder, because we are members of his body. And I love this. Ephesians 2, 19, you've already been through this one. You are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints. You are members of the household of God. And I love, you go to 1 Peter and he tells us, how does that household come together? 1 Peter 2 says, you yourselves are like living stones, being built up, built together, connected together as a spiritual house, to be a holy priesthood, to offer up acceptable sacrifices to God through Jesus Christ. Um, Interesting, if we're not built together, we can't offer up acceptable sacrifices. There's something about our connections with each other, our being members of each other, our being linked to one another, both locally as a church and then bigger as the, the larger church, the body of Christ. Being connected opens the door for us as worshipers. So notice just a couple things here. Number one, real simply, it just says, we are members. It doesn't say you can choose to be or choose not to be. It just says this is a statement of fact, that when we come to Christ, we are members. When you came to Christ, whenever that was, you automatically were declared a member of the body of Christ. So whether you realized it or not, when you came to Christ, you suddenly got linked to everybody else here in this, this building today. Uh, maybe if you knew that ahead of time, maybe, I'm not sure if I want to do that. But that's what happens. The scripture, that's what happens to us. It automatically happens. Have you ever uh, purchased something um, or signed up for something, and suddenly you're getting phone calls from like 10 other groups, and you, f- you find out you've just joined like five other blogs or email things, and you're getting all this stuff, and you're like, I didn't sign up for this stuff, right? But we automatically get brought into that. Well, on the positive side, that's what happens here. The, the New Testament knows nothing about believers being independent of one another. It knows nothing of believers being independent of one another. I love being independent. Um, I just was raised up to be as self-sufficient as possible, and it is a battle all the time. But we do not grow in that place. We just wither away. And the New Testament, as I said, knows nothing about being independent of one another. The application form doesn't have, uh, when you came to Christ, boxes of checks says member or non-member. I want to be a Christian, but I'd be the non-member one, right? Or it doesn't say you can check connected or unconnected. I'll be the, I'm going to check unconnected, but I'm still going to be a member. You, you, we all are says you have, you are connected, you are a member. Here at Redemption, you have multiple steps by which to get connected with each other that have been laid out just for that purpose 
to be able to be known and to be part of this community and its work. You've got, I think, first steps. You've got foundations. There's ways to serve. Baptism. You have a church membership plan. And if you're serious about Christ, if you're serious about maturing in him, you've got to move through those steps. They're there not just to check off boxes. They're there because they move you closer to each other. They, they let the idea of what does it mean to truly be a member of each other begin to flourish in your life. They help you fully live into what it means to be a member. But understand, if you refuse to do all those, you are still a member. We don't get to not have that. We may not be a very good member, but we're still a member. We're still connected with each other. Avoiding these steps, keeping God's people at arm's length, does not exempt you from membership and everything that it requires of you. You're already a member, so I would just say, Okay, if that's a true, I might as well move into it. Might as well get on with it. Our, our culture today just has us floating from place to place, and it's easy just to stay disconnected. And um, we probably all know brothers and sisters in Christ who just wither away because of that. It does not, it's not the way we're designed for. My, uh, my middle daughter just got married a month ago, um, one, and I, I did the wedding. I didn't cry the whole time. I just cried before and afterwards. Um, but whenever I do weddings, one of the things I, I love reminding couples when I get up there, I say, you know what, right now you're two, in, you're two independent people. And in a moment, something's going to happen that we don't see it, but God says it happens. You become one. You don't later become one if you get married. When you get married and you say those vows, they become one. Something happens. Something changes. You spend your whole life trying to figure out what that looks like, right? And making it work, but you're already one. And that's what happens to us when we come in the body of Christ. And then he says next, entering the truth of being a member is essential and mandatory to growing individually and to growing as a body. You already saw this. Individual parts coming together to make up the whole and to bring maturity. As First Peter said, if we don't come together as living stones, members, we, we can't offer up acceptable worship. I've got a, I was, digging, I was cleaning my office and I came across um, I am an REI member. Um, I don't think his card works anymore. It's my original REI card from Berkeley, California, 1982. Um, I'm number three. No, I'm not. It's, it started like in 1920s or something. Um, I'm a member because I, whatever, I, whatever I did, I think Denny paid a dollar to be a, a member of REI or something. It's probably free now. Who knows? But I'm a member, but guess what? Nothing's expected of me. I haven't been to REI forever. And nobody's been calling me, wondering where I am, why I'm not helping their community. Um, Costco membership, right? You get, tell me you're Costco members. All right. So you pay a fee, right? So that you can go, get whatever you want, and leave again. You are not in relationship with all the other Costco members. Now, if that's your idea of community, fine. Um, but it's uh, not too good. It's, uh, um, that's, uh, that's not exactly what we're talking about here. I have a uh, 2000 Jeep Wrangler, and um, I didn't know that this went on, but um, whenever I drive, whenever another Jeep, a real Jeep, not like a Cherokee or something, a real Jeep, um, is coming towards me, they wave. You guys, if you ever see that, Jeep, they wave, so it's a Jeep thing, that's what they say. So they'll wave like this, they'll salute, if the doors, like they have no doors out, they'll do the little motorcycle thing, kind of like, hey, kind of wave out here. It's weird. It's just, I mean, I don't wave. I, I kind of, if I see another Jeep coming, I get distracted. I'll look at somewhere else so I don't notice them because they'll look right at me and they wave. And it's like we're part of some community, really? We're members of each other? I mean, it could be a 
the most wanted guy in the world driving at me, waving to me. I'm not going to wave to that person. It's strange. <laughs> I have no obligations to them, no expectations. That's not what membership is. Being members of one another means that we are connected and we've got to press towards what that looks like. And there's not ever an end to it. We come closer, closer, and closer together. To put it most clearly, it means that we belong to one another. And two, that we need each other. I don't, I don't really want to belong to anybody, right? But that's what he says. When we come to Christ, we become members, we actually belong to each other. And all that that encompasses and all that it impacts. And second of all is we need each other. Desperately. Because that's the way God's designed us. We can resist it, and we can ignore it all we want, and believe me, I'm good at it. It doesn't work. But it became true when we came to Christ. And to experience fullness of joy and maturity, and actually to make a, make a difference out there, we have to come together. We have to come closer. We have to know each other and be known. In our passage, Paul says that when we lie to one another, when we hide or keep from being known, when we fail to keep reminding each other of what is true, it actually says we do injury to the body. It's like taking a knife and stabbing ourselves. And we do injury to one another. To put aside falsehood and to speak the truth, then we bring life to ourselves and we actually bring life to each other. And I realize we don't see it happening sometimes, so you just think it doesn't matter. It does. The scriptures say it makes a difference. As a matter of fact, it is everything, whether we notice it or not. Therefore, having put away falsehood, let each of you speak the truth with his neighbor, for we are members of one another. So a couple things. One, are there some lies that need to be remedied? Are there some lies that need to be remedied? Some things that are out there that you've put out there with somebody and needs to be corrected. Do it. Is it time to step closer, to start opening up, to let yourself be known? Is it time? And that may just be as simple as when somebody says, how are you doing? Saying, I'm not doing well at all. And hopefully each other, we're ready to listen. Is it time to draw closer to this body, taking the next step here? And I know that anybody on the leadership team would be happy to help direct you along those steps, one step at a time to be becoming part of the fullness of what's happening here. So don't miss that opportunity and that obligation. Our Lord gave his life so that we could become one, built together for our good and for the expansion of his kingdom. It says when he, when he gave his life, there was no falsehood or deceit found in him. He was the very truth who was embodied in our midst. And he came and took on our form so he could be joined to us and actually be known as well. And now he calls us, his children, his sons and daughters, um, to do the same, to do the same. Let's pray, and then we will be ready for our gathering around the table. Lord, I give you thanks afresh this morning for the absolute wonder that who we were before has been crucified 
It's no longer I who live, but it's Christ who lives in us. Give us a readiness to let others in. Give us a a gracious, merciful spirit that desires to be connected with each other. Thank you above all things that you have created the way for that. You open up the door. Lord, we pray that this body here would be marked by knowing each other, walking with each other, embracing one another, reminding each other of the truth of who you are and who they are and what they're called to be and do. And then that, Lord, would flourish into a church body that makes a difference for your kingdom. In Jesus' name, amen.